0: Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ.
1: What a privilege it is to stand here to read God's word with you and to think for a few minutes on this passage from John chapter 13. I'll be reading verses 1 through 16 and a half. I love it when we say, Listen carefully, for this is God's word. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them. The full extent of his love, or in other versions it says, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Iscariot, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and was returning to God so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him now i'm going to warn you When I get to this part about Simon Peter, he's going to have a country accent because I just so identify with him. So I'm just letting you know, all right? Here we go. Verse 7, no, verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath only needs his feet to be washed. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew, he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightfully so for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Have you ever heard that term hindsight is 2020? You know, that idea that if you had only known all the facts, you might have done something maybe a little bit differently. Sorry about that. Trying to make sure I don't go over time. Um, That idea that, like, we need to know a little bit more of the facts from the past. Or maybe, like, if you look back on a situation, you can just see it so much clearer now. I tend to think about this in comical ways. Like um, my hairstyle, my first year of college. Somebody should have told me that I can't rock the short hair with the big bangs. My college ID is pretty rough. Hindsight is 2020. Or that night when I served Wayne some pasta that had something a little green on it, I thought it was pesto. And about two hours later, I figured out it was something else, more like penicillin. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty-twenty, but my favorite story in this regard is um, when Wayne and I were interns at the University of South Carolina, and we were at a football game or headed to a football game. It was South Carolina versus Kentucky. I think it was circa two thousand and seven. Okay. And we—if you don't know this about Wayne, well, you know he loves Gamecocks. But <clears throat> if you don't know Wayne, he wants to get to a sporting event when the gate opens. Okay, so it was about 4:45, and the game's going to start about seven, and we're at the gate ready to go in. Well, it had been a beautiful afternoon, and then some rain clouds came. They were big and black, and. We thought, oh, no, we have not prepared for this moment. But we went on into the stadium, and it began to rain. And Wayne said to me, do you remember this? He said, let's just embrace it. Let's just go on to our seats. It's going to rain all night. This is before we had radar on our phones, you know. He's like, it's going to rain all night. Let's just go to our seats and, and watch the warm-ups. And so we did, and we got soaked, right? Us and three other people who decided to go to their seats. Everybody else was in the breezeways. And y'all, it was like a miracle. Five minutes before the game started, those black clouds, they parted. And not a drop of rain came down during the game. Everybody else in the stadium was dry, except for us. Hindsight is 2020. I bet you all have your own story, don't you? Of hindsight being 2020. Well, in this passage, Jesus points out to Peter that what he is doing in washing the disciples' feet will only be able to be understood in the future. Look at verse 7 again with me. You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand What the disciples don't know in that moment is that the washing of the feet is only really a precursor for the most grand act of servanthood known to man, that Jesus within a day will go to the cross for their sins and for ours. And the meaning of the foot washing and the meaning Of the Lord's Supper will only become clear when they see the resurrected Lord. Now, the thing about hindsight that's so interesting to me is that God does not have to employ it. We would say that God is omniscient, He knows everything, right? Past, present, future. He doesn't have to say, man, I wish I had known, or what if. I didn't think about that. Jesus, being one with God, was also fully aware of the people around him. It says in John chapter 2 that he knew men and he knew what was in a man. And all throughout the gospel of John, there's these stories of Jesus having this knowledge about people. I'll give you just one for time's sake. Jesus is at the well with a Samaritan woman you remember this story and he starts talking to her about living water and she wants the living water and he says to her go and tell your husband and come back remember what she says I don't have a husband what does he say I know you've had five husbands and the man that you're with now is not your husband But she goes back and she tells the townspeople, what does she say to them? Come and see the man who has told me everything I ever did. You know, our passage tonight, it it reminds us that Jesus was aware. Look at the second part of verse 1. He knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Jesus knows, as he stoops to wash his 12 disciples' feet, that the time has come for him to go to the cross. And having spent three years with this motley crew of disciples, he knew each one of them, in and out, good, bad, ugly. And he knows the same about each of us, the good, the bad, the ugly, and yet... He gets up from the meal. And although the text doesn't tell us exactly how he postures himself, again, we're using a little imagination here. I imagine him kind of down on one knee, right? Eye to eye with the disciples who are reclined. And he takes the towel and the water, and he starts rubbing the grime between the big toe and the second toe and then wringing out the water and then... Maybe shielding his nose from the smell that every mama who has a teenage boy can understand, right? The passage tells us that Jesus got up in the middle of the meal and he addressed the need of the hour. He doesn't wait for someone else to do it. In fact, no one else had offered to do it. Customarily, someone would wash your feet when you came into The door, but no one had done it. Jesus saw the need and he met it. He could have rightfully stayed in his position, I imagine, at the head of the table, but instead he got up to serve. Now, sometimes I don't think we mean to not serve, that we're trying to be aloof or lazy or selfish. I think sometimes we just think, oh, it's not really my job. This is how it plays out at my house, Okay. We have this wonderful luxury item, and it's called a dishwasher. Now, this dishwasher is where you put dirty dishes, you know, and then it cleans them. Well, I don't know if it's like this at your house, but you know what happens? The sink gets piled up with dirty dishes. Not because there's no room. I mean, not because they didn't take the time to put it into the dishwasher. It's because the dishwasher is full of clean dishes and nobody wants to put them up, right? Are you guilty? I'm guilty. This is a joke, right? It's a silly illustration. But in all seriousness, in our culture where the media and our own sense of accomplishment screams be served, it is hard to get up at inconvenient times to do things that we think somebody else could do. We are bombarded with advertisements about items and experiences that will make us comfortable and happy. And y'all, we could spend every moment of every day streaming something of entertainment value. But the text today reminds us that Jesus got up and the call of the disciples is to get up as well. I love service day last week for that very reason. I saw so many of you getting up, looking at the needs around the church and meeting them. A few questions. If Jesus used his power and privilege to serve others, what comfortable position is he calling us from to serve as well? What inconvenient service is God calling you to? Whose feet can you wash today? Okay, so as the events of, um, unfold in the text, we get down in verses 6 and 7 through 10 where Jesus is talking with Peter. Now, when Jesus stoops to wash Peter's feet, I imagine Peter looking at him with the scowl of a child that's looking at broccoli on their plate. It's like, Lord, you gonna make me eat that? No. Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And how does Jesus respond? You don't realize now, but hindsight will be twenty twenty. Now, Peter gets a little haughty here in verse eight, and he says no to the God of glory. He says no. Have you ever told the Lord no? He calls us to humility. Jesus answers, unless I wash your feet, You have no part with me. In this part of the text, I see some of us, those who are servants, who find it hard to allow others to come alongside us to serve. Perhaps our motives are pure, but we can run ourselves ragged, can't we, with exhaustion, and our service can quickly turn from being spirit led to self driven. If this is you, perhaps this week, let someone serve you. If someone asks you, hey, how can I help you? Take a deep breath and give them a practical way that they can wash your feet. And then thank God for the reminder that you are finite and needy and creaturely and prone to weakness, but not God. What is he like? He is infinite and he needs nothing. He is the creator and sustainer of us all. And he calls us to help one another and to approach him with humility. Look at verse 10 and 11 again with me. Jesus answered A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet, his whole body is clean, and you are clean though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said, not everyone is clean. He knew that this time tomorrow he would be laid in a grave because of the betrayal of a so-called friend. And yet Jesus stoops. To serve Judas. And he knows, it is clear in John, that Peter is going to deny him. And he stoops to serve him. And he knows that all the disciples are going to leave him. And he stoops to serve them. You know, for me, service is often about the gratification of knowing that the one who I serve appreciates my efforts. But here the master teacher tells us obedience is key, not the response of the one who is washed or clothed or helped or restored. After Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he gets up and he goes back to his place. And he says to them something interesting here in verse 16. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master now he isn't bragging as a pro basketball player might that he is the greatest of all time right that he he isn't saying i'm the best at serving he is acknowledging here that we as creatures as sinful humans are constantly going to be in need of his help as we seek to serve of his gentle correction, and of his guidance. He's saying to us, come to me and I will help you. You know, in our service, we get frustrated, don't we? We want to serve the Lord, but sometimes we bow up and we blow up. We mess up. We give up. But Christ is calling us to return to his example and to take up the towel Jesus here in this text redefines what it means to be powerful. It isn't a master who lords his power over his servants. It isn't using his resources and personality and intellect for his own kingdom, like small kingdom. It is harnessing everything that he has and condescending to us to serve us taking on the form of a servant and he calls us to do this as well unlike Jesus we may never know the impact of our service in some things hindsight is not 2020 we see through a glass dimly but we can know that the road to Jesus is one that takes up the towel and the cross and follows him But that's not the only message of the foot washing, lest we miss it. The foot washing and then Christ's subsequent death for our sins. They reveal the true nature of God in his self-giving, sacrificial love. One who knows all about you and me, and yet he still loves us so much that he would give his life for us. And he says here that he wants to show them the full extent of his love. Tonight, on this Maundy Thursday, the call is to come and to gaze upon the power, love, and pity that flow mingled down from the Savior. One story and then I'm done. May and Wayne, they play this little conversation game at our house. Wayne will say to May, who do I love? I probably should have asked you if I could tell the story. To which May will respond, I don't know. And then he'll say again, but who do I love? And she'll be bashful and shy away and she'll say, Eleanor. No, who do I love, he'll say. And and she'll say, Webb mommy. Finally, he'll have to say, who do I love? I love May May. That's who I love. And he'll come up and he'll hug her and he'll tickle her. And it'll be a wonderful moment of embrace. I've been thinking about that a lot. And you know, I don't know why May resists all her daddy's affection for her. But I do know that for me, sometimes it is uncomfortable to think about the lavish love of a Savior who knows me to the core like he knew Peter. And he knows the depths of my denial. And yet, Jesus says to Peter, and he says to me, unless I wash your feet, you have no part in me. Out of his heart flow mercy. Flows mercy and out of our heart sometimes flows a reluctance to receive his love. But the call tonight is to look on what Christ has done for you and for me. To see the extent of his love that he loved us to the end. And when we see it anew, then the call. And only then the call is to go and do likewise. As it says at the end of John 13, then love one another. Let me see if I can find it here. Love one another as I have loved you. This is exactly what it says. Let's see here. Should have marked it. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Amen.
0: The Lord has been gracious to communicate His love to us in a myriad of ways, through His word, through the ordinance of baptism, and also through the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. We come forward and we take of these elements, and we're reminded of the way that Christ most fully served us by giving of His body on the cross and shedding His blood for us and for our salvation. I invite you to listen to these words from First Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 26. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I was almost terrified to celebrate the Lord's Supper because oftentimes the minister would ask us to examine our hearts and our lives to see if we felt worthy um, to participate in this most sacred meal. And one of my professors in seminary helped me to see the Lord's Supper in a different light, that you and I um, come tonight, um, not as people in Corinth who were um, knowingly I'm not observing the Lord's Supper in a right way. But we come tonight, hopefully, as those who know that our only hope before the Lord is His mercy and His grace. So I invite you to spend some time before you come forward praying and asking for the Lord to help you to understand, maybe even more fully tonight, the significance of what we do. But I, I hope that you will come forward with a sense of joy and celebration, that none of us is worthy in and of ourselves to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but we come boldly before him um, on the merit of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Here at Mountbrook Baptist Church, we invite all um, believers to participate in the Lord's Supper. And on this Monday Thursday service, we, we distribute the elements a little differently. So after we say our prayer together in your worship guide, ministers will position themselves at the uh, rows here, We invite you to come to the center aisles and go back to your seat by the outside aisles and take the elements, they're they're packaged together, back to your seat with you. And once everyone's been served, then we will celebrate the supper together. If you are not able to come forward, ministers will be paying attention and we'll come and serve you where you are. Also, there'll be a dish that has gluten-free elements that are clearly marked there for you. If that's what you would um, prefer, you may take those. Please join me in um, in the prayer printed in your worship guide. Ever gracious and loving God, we have gathered this evening just as friends gathered with Jesus in an upper room long ago. Remind us in the breaking of the bread of our need and of your sufficiency. Refresh us and make us whole with the cup of forgiveness. As we come to your table... Draw us nearer to each other in mutual service and closer to you in covenant of faithfulness and thanksgiving. As the night advances, deepen in us a sense of your steadfast love for us in Jesus Christ, our friend and redeemer. We make this prayer in the holy name of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, In glory everlasting. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work.